We are professionals. <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> and on that note. Welcome to an episode of 22 at the Lives. This is the podcast from healthcare providers, EMS providers, to anybody and everybody in between. And like I've said before, whether you work in EMS, whether you work in the hospital setting, whether you are the custodian, we appreciate them exponentially. Or you are the random bystander who just happened to stumble upon this setup. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Today, I have with me Josh. I'm not going to say his last name. He asked me not to. It's like this whole, like, he wants to stay anonymous kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. So, um, Josh has a vast experience in EMS. He's been in, the, he's been in EMS around five years. And it's very versatile. It's not just like some of the people I've had on, you know, just working as a paramedic or just working in one specific area. It's extensive. Um, I'm going to have him kind of talk about it a little bit, but he is a medical instructor for TACMED, and we're going to kind of bring that up. He is the, what would you say you are, like the image of nomadic clinician, or like what's your, what would you like to be introduced as? Yeah, I just, um, Nomadic clinician is just, just, it's just my, it's really started as my personal IG account. And uh, I just kind of morphed from there as I started pushing out more and more content for like, um, I guess, lay people, med, uh, medical education, and then like within the EMS circles as well. So really, it's just like, that's, that's just my uh, IG handle. It's not really anything. I mean, it's not like a company or anything, you know? just like a nickname can we call it a nickname but it's not don't call don't don't call me that <laughs> so part of the uh, nomadic clinicians also experience no i'm just kidding um he's obviously like i said he's worked as a paramedic as an fto we'll dive into that he's worked or will not work sorry editing people he served in the air force worked in areas of law enforcement and security and also for the agency I work at he was a CCT medic during the times of the COVID and I do want to dive into that so a couple of little things nothing too crazy but Josh if you want to introduce yourself tell the people who you are what you stand for the floor is yours my guy great um First, thanks, thanks for having me on here. This is actually like a really cool, huge honor. Um, but yeah, so my name is Josh. Uh, I am a paramedic. I've, like you said, I've been doing it for about five years. I have an Instagram that is Nomadic Clinician, uh, where I put out a bunch of medical content and get into arguments with people in the comments half the time. But we try to keep it like very wholesome and civil over there. Um, for the most part, yeah. I started out in private, I started out in private EMS, working primarily 911 with transfers, moved on to critical care um, at the height of my burnout, which is the normal, like around the three-year mark or so. Uh, doesn't take very long, you know, but 
I made transition into um, doing travel contracts. So I was able to hop around for a couple of different places, a couple of different states um, and fill roles in both like the 911 side and then like um, some safety uh, industrial medicine. I had a, a short stint offshore. I found out it wasn't for me. Um, offshore referring to like the oil and gas for anybody that's not like super familiar with the Gulf Coast industries. But um, yeah, now I, I still work PRN uh, for a 911 service. We are municipal for the most part, third service and um, also hospital based. And then I teach for a company called Orion Training Group. Uh, and we teach tech med type courses um, and then like general medical preparedness type courses. And I think we'll dive into that some at some point. So kind of a big reason I want to Josh on is I feel like a big part of getting the most of your experience in EMS is not just going through the schooling, knowing the, your protocols, your pathophysiology of what medications do, the AMP of the body, but it's also the aspect of like teaching and instructing and not just, how do I put this? Not just a matter of like sharing the information, you know, but also being able to instill that information into current providers, future providers, aspects of what's next to come in the future generations of EMS which sounds really prestige and pretentious, but I mean, it's realistic. So, Josh, if you want to tell me about your experience as an FTO, why you became an FTO, your favorite moments, um, what it entails for you. Go ahead, my guy. Yeah, that's a um, huge subject and kind of what you were getting into there. I think uh, I think teaching for anybody that wants to grow as a as a provider in general, or regardless of your field, like being able to be able to teach your craft is something that um, you know that's 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 how we display mastery, and that's how we know that we're that we've gotten to that point. Is is um, it goes back to the whole like watch one, do one, teach one concept, where that's that's how I know we have an understanding level. So if I can show you something and you can teach that back to me. I know you got it. I know it's clicked for me. Moving on to FTO, that was um, it was an area that I knew I already liked um, when I was when I was in the Air Force um, as an NCO. I got to spend a lot of time like teaching troops and like going over different uh, different stuff and kind of like molding and guiding these these like young airmen. And as a paramedic, I, I and I think just in life in general, I'm I'm normally looking for that next step. Right. So like I finished paramedic school. I did that for a while. I, I kind of hit a bunch of like calls on my checklist that I wanted to do. Like, uh, you know, I've done these things and um, it's like, what's next? And they had FTO openings. I did that. And it was actually like a really, really like good experience for me as a, as a provider and as an educator, just because like you you have to learn how to educate different people obviously you can't teach everybody the same way that was a big thing um that we learned in leadership school and stuff like that but along with that it makes me it makes me stay on top of my game right because like 
that's the worst thing in general is like somebody asks you a question you're like ah, i don't know i don't know the answer to it like so let's you've got to admit it you've got to be able to say like i don't know and i'll find out the answer for you but at the same time like you don't want to be that guy so like becoming an fto was very very fulfilling in that for one i'm getting to interact with students i get to i get to actually like teach and also like it keeps me it keeps me just on top of my craft which is like a young medic and but i would still consider myself like pretty a, a pretty like inexperienced medic as far as like time wise goes um it's just so helpful so helpful i can't think of any like big moments i know you asked about it offhand um there's just so many of them that like you see it click i um when I did work for the private EMS company, we had um, Naval Special Warfare students that would come work in our area right on trots. And I remember uh, those guys, you know, they're they're just hammered going through paramedic school with information. And basically they go from uh, like zero to paramedic in about an eight month, eight month time frame because um, they go to school every day. And, you know, the, the instructors are able to just feed them information so they get on the trots and they're still they're they're really still mastering like their emt skills uh along with their paramedic skills and somebody we i had a patient that was kind of out of it um was actually on a transfer and the guy he was the patient was laid back and snoring and um i remember the student asking about it and i was like yeah this is a this is a really good example like let's just reposition this guy's head so everything's in line and like the snoring, the snoring stopped. You could see it click, right? You could see like, like, oh, like that's opening an airway or whatnot. And um, it's all those little moments. There's, there's nothing like huge with it. It's just, it's just those little moments of like seeing the light come on that uh, really sells being an FTO. One thing I think is super commendable about being a teacher in general. As a former English teacher in a high school, um, it takes a lot of patience and not everybody is made to be an FTO because it, it's hard whenever you know the information. And sometimes it's like those little things. And like I've caught myself whenever I was teaching and sometimes like on the truck with former partners and stuff, just kind of having that moment of like, you should know this, like, it's not that hard. And so being able mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. take that information and take your experience as your own provider. And I don't want to say dumb it down, but like you said, kind of mold it into that individual's learning style. It takes a lot of effort. It does. It does. And I, I think so. I think we've all had those moments. And I think that's that's a challenge when it comes to like um, teaching as a as an FTO or field training officer um, versus like teaching in a classroom as well. Right. Because um, we we know the types of days we have. We know the schedules we work. And like. When I'm doing this full time and like especially like when I was newer. Um, like there, there were times when I had like a very short temper, especially when it comes to stuff like that. Like, would, like, why can't you put the sheet on on the on the cot the right way, right? Like, why, like, 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 why, why did we not like restock those things? Like, it's little stuff, but like, um, 
and more so with like partners and students because you have your like you have your FTO face as well, right? You like you like you know you have a student, you want this uh this whole thing to go well for them. So you kind of put on that face, but like with partners, there there were times when like I know I I I absolutely like blew up and like lost it over things that I had no reason to lose it over most of the time. Um but they're they're if 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 there's partners listening to this, you know. Um, I've apologized already and, uh, I'm, I'm still very sorry, but it's, it's good because it also teaches you like with experience, like you learn to manage that more. And, um, it's important to remember, especially with students that like they're new, they don't know. That's why they're there. Right. Even, even with paramedic students, like paramedic students are the worst, but, uh, at the end if when they're at the end of their at their school journey and they're they're doing team leads or whatever else like they still they don't know like they've been told but they don't um and most of the time with paramedic students they don't know what they don't know because we all come out of school thinking that like we've got it all figured out and we know everything but um yeah it's definitely difficult in ems because like you're you're dealing with the calls you're dealing with everything on top of like wanted to teach and be a good instructor at the same time uh so it definitely takes the right person i've i've, I've uh as i'm sure you had i've worked under under people who are were fantastic at it and i'm, I'm grateful for that and I've, I've seen some examples of people who like weren't so great at it sometimes as well um it's something that when i was a paramedic student mm-hmm. which sometimes was rough I'll be honest. Um, Looking back at some of the calls that I would team lead or sometimes I just existed on, just being quite frank. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyways, so something that one provider told me was, and I was kind of near the end-ish of the whole stint of like capstone and team leads and whatnot, he told me, he was like, look, you have a way of presenting information that people can understand, whether that's from your teaching experience or some kind of characteristic you have, whatever it is. He was like, if you move on and you become an FTO, he said, don't ever forget that at one point you were in their shoes. You were the one who didn't know. This is embarrassing. You didn't know the milligram to milliliter dose of Narcan. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, you're right. I don't. I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so. and it, I mean, it can be. I mean, I, I, um, a lot of times when that kind of stuff happens, you have to double check with people too and just be like, hey, did you, like, all right, like, do you know when you said the wrong thing or do you not know? Because like if we're if we're at this point and we don't we don't know exactly like at least something like a med dose, uh, we th- there there may be more work to do at that point. But so most of the time, students are just so nervous that like they make dumb mistakes, right? And that's 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 just part of being an FTO. Like you you need to be able to like identify those and realize that they're nervous and like be able to coach in like a way that actually words for the student right versus get it right 
berating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, uh, you know, I, I, I learned a lot in the military. One thing, the military, um, there's a certain style of training that is, is taught, taught and done in the military. A lot of times that, uh, it doesn't, it's not effective. It's not, it, it works, it works in the setting sort of, um, but as far as like talking to everyday people, it's not, it's not the way you like, you don't, you don't yell or you don't like berate. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. It doesn't, people shut down. Um, and that just comes back to like adult learning models and learning how to teach people. So on the note of instruction, uh -huh. um, tell me about like what you teach at Orion and like your tag med course and your role in it, what it is, what we can gain from it. Sure. Um, so <clears throat> as far as like, what are like 30,000 foot view and then down. Um, so at Orion training group, we teach open enrollment courses for American citizens. Uh, and what that means for us is that like, as long as you are an American and you don't have like crazy felonies or anything like that, then you're welcome to come to our classes. So we teach, well, and I say, I say that because we, we do teach, a, we do teach a lot of things that involve firearms. Um, we teach close quarters battle or CQB. Uh, which is more of like your building clearing SWAT tactics. We'll teach long range shooting. We teach, um, how to use night vision using using night vision for doing activities and we've we've brought tatmed into that as well um it was actually one of the first courses that we offered and so what it started out as is um and what i still teach is i teach tetleo or t-e-c-c uh leo which is tactical emergency casualty care for law enforcement officers um and then t-e-c-c which is uh so it's a one day for tetleo to two day for uh t-e-c-c uh, we started developing courses to get away from those. Uh, for the most part, that NAEMT uh, designs those courses to be taught to law enforcement officers and EMRs for the one day and then the two day. Um, I think there's, I think EMTs, uh, at least EMT basics, can understand everything that's involved in those courses. They're really designed for paramedics, so. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't limit who can come to my course and, uh, an AEMT would like prefer that you did. Um, so it's like, I, I do open enrollment. You don't have to have, a, you don't have to have a medical like license or certification to, to come, to come to class. And it's kind of how we start getting into the homebrew thing. So they're really like based around the same area. When I talk about the homebrew classes, it's, you know, really we've taken, um, like the stop the bleed type content and brought in a little bit of your like wilderness first responder um, type stuff and then mix that with uh, the tactics as well. So we offer a couple of different types of classes in that our, our tech med is pretty much stop the bleed with some extra steps. I mean, it's, it's more, it teaches your basic March algorithm, yeah, uh, which is my preferred like assessment algorithm for trauma. Uh, it teaches your basic, like how to deal with life threats at the point of injury, and then really how to get people out of the situation. Um, moving from there, I teach a I teach care under fire course, which is a um, 
it's a force on force class, meaning it's going to use a, uh, we're going to use simunitions and or airsoft guns. Uh, so people are shooting at you, you have the opportunity to shoot back. That's actually, um, you know, we have a, we have the, our common friend Cecil or whatnot. And that's how I, that's how I met him. He came, he came out to take the, uh, the care under fire class. Uh, so what it is, we, we do a, a day of uh, introduction to CQB. Um, to get people used to like walking into rooms in like a thoughtful manner. And then the next day we add in like how to treat injuries and how to extract people. And the end of that day is just culmination exercises of them doing both. Um, those are the things. And then my, my newer course is, is based around um, more of the like remote and wildland stuff, just because I think uh, a lot of, a lot of our fan base deals with a lot of, uh, time in the backcountry, whether it's hiking or camping or overlanding or whatever. And so I wanted to start giving people some some education on what to do when like somebody's not going to be at their side in 15 to 20 minutes. You know? Um so it's a lot, it's a lot more mindset and logistic oriented as far as um like how to prepare for an expedition, how to make long and short-term care plans, and then like considerations for evacuation whether we have to like carry somebody out because we just hiked seven uh, seven miles a day prior or if we need to be able to set up an lz how we're going to do, touch with people when there's not cell phone service just you know it kind of covers the wide range of uh stuff in that like kind of survival and preparedness realm uh but mostly with a medical focus from my, from from my point and i think it's super cool because even though like we're called first responders mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, like in that wilderness setting or like right. those combat fire and stuff like that, there's already somebody there. And then it's hard whenever like in the EMS setting or the 911 setting, whatever you want to call it, whether you're fire or EMS, like you get there, but people are already there. And right. so that ability to provide I wouldn't say just basic education, but like awareness and the what to do when aspect could literally be life saving rather than like we get there, we have to do the whole assessment. We have to do the whole scene safety. We have to do like if things are already put in place, it makes our job easier, but it's also way beneficial for the patient. Absolutely. I think. Um... One of the, one of the coolest parts about it, um, teaching outside of EMS, um, if for me, like, so I, I I enjoy teaching, like lay people, everyday everyday people, um, probably more than I enjoy teaching EMS, just because um, you know they get it, they they get the meaning behind it. Uh, my favorite so far has been law enforcement. I, I was I was able to work with a local police department for for a while, making sure everybody got. Um, the TECC course. So we we went over everything, everything that would be carried in like a typical IFAC, um, like the individual first aid kit, which for our, for anybody else's like situational awareness, it would just be uh typically it's it's a a tourniquet of some kind, wound packing gauze, chest seals, uh, nasal pharyngeal airways, and um, you know, gloves, basic stuff. 
at that point. Um, so we, we do over how to use all of these things. And I, I, I every every class I taught at the space department, like within within a couple of weeks of teaching it, some somebody was able to use those adjuncts, right? Like so I, I, we had we had shootings where people applied chest seals be, before EMS showed up. We had, you know, rats and accidents uh where people were able to apply tourniquets and like like literally like five or six uh, different officers have have been able to like save spice life because of these courses and um that's huge especially from an EMS standpoint like if it's a violent event or something like we know law enforcement's going to beat us there like they're going to be there in time and we know like if somebody's hitting a major artery like how long how long it's going to be before they are like not recoverable um so it's it's absolutely huge and it's been it's been so rewarding um Especially plus during the classes, I get to make jokes about them giving way too much Narcan all the time, and um, talk about how to like identify a difference between an overdose and a diabetic patient. So like, super fun times all the way around. Honestly, I'm glad you said that because I was absolutely going to bring it up. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We still it's it's uh it's it's joke, but it's not. Yep. <laughs> I love getting on the scene of an overdose quote unquote sometimes hmm. and they come out with like the little nasal sprays one time it was three of them and i'm like patient's still not waking up and i'm like yeah they're kind of having a stroke no wonder they're not waking <laughs> up <laughs> well appreciate our officers out there but and sometimes they just don't know better can't get mad at them every time Right. Yeah, I think that I think that's pretty much like everything about those horses that like Orion teaches them for us anyway. Um, I'm actually like uh, trending away from all of the stop the bleed like point of point of injury stuff. It's it's absolutely like vital information for somebody that doesn't know it and is uh, is like literally life saving. Um, but I really wanted to get into like like. As 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 I progress as an instructor and a medic myself, like I really want to teach more like for long field care and like extended like extended time with the patient uh, type stuff because I find it really really interesting. And I think it's I think it's very likely for like people who spend a lot of time outdoors or in, anywhere else. So speaking of versatile settings, um, tell me about your time as a contract medic for the people who don't know like. What is that? What are the pros and cons of that versus, um, in my case at least, signing up for an agency where you have a sign-on bonus and you sell right. your soul for a couple of years? Not that I mind it. Right. I love right. the agency I work at, but traveling would be cool. So talking about pros of... Uh travel contract work um this this the signing bonuses are normally um like your monthly salary um it's it's um it's crazy lucrative as far as like that side of it goes not probably not my biggest takeaway from it but it's definitely like one of the pros is that like it's it is you are paid very very well um for what you do um and with that you're you're expected to perform at a at a certain level and for a certain amount of time for it um it, it uh i would say tra like travel contracting saved my career right i i like doing 911 full-time 
to the point where like working in a busy area um it just like it just wore on me to the point where like I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy going to work. I didn't enjoy like I I, I can I can feel myself like losing that empathy and everything else for people because I was like like literally like the same the same thing that I'm sure lots of people do. But like I could I could name half my patients before I got to the scene, um, and like pretty much like hopping out of the truck, being like, hey, so and so, like, what do you want today? Get in the truck, stay at the hospital, like, um. And it's not the place you want to be as, as a provider, right? Like when we, when we, you know, we talk about empathy and everything, but like when you lose that empathy and like it, when you're at that level of burnout, you're not, you're not doing thorough assessments. You're, you're like, you're missing things. It's just, it's, it's not where you want to be at all. And I, I, I was there, I knew it. Um, I was looking for an out anyway. And this is, uh, I don't know, 21-ish. Uh, so, like, towards, like, the end of, like, the busiest parts of COVID. But, uh, yeah, I got, got an initial, I, I just started, like, throwing out resumes to to all of these, like, companies. I think, I think I'm, I think I'm still rostered with, like, 30 companies total or something like that to, to get phone calls. And, like, it's, it's, it's how I was able to do it consistently for such a long time. But, uh, yeah, my first one, um, obviously I still won't name like the agency or anything, but like it wouldn't be hard to figure out, I'm sure. Um, so my first contract was in the Virgin Islands, uh, which was, it was pretty fortunate because I was planning on, uh, I was planning on taking a contract in Iraq at the time and going overseas. And I got, I got this offer in the Virgin Islands that was paying pretty much the same thing as I was going to make in Iraq as a, uh, like security, uh, professional slash paramedic. Uh, so I decided that the career sounded way better than the Middle East uh, at the time and went there, uh, ended up being just the best thing as far as uh, working in a system where there's like two trucks total. Like we ended up starting the third truck during, during the course of this whole thing. Um, this community has like zero idea of, of what 911 abuse or anything is. They don't use healthcare. So like when they're when they're calling 911, like something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. And um it gave you just a sense of doing it. And also it got me out of my my area, which is something I was talking to somebody about recently. It was uh, you know, I, I I was uh, even even with my burnout and everything else, I was I was decently high performer and in my area when I hit through on this contract, I was one of the youngest and like least experienced medics there. So everybody else is pushing like 15, 20 years, like as a medic, they've worked in the contract world for a long time. This is um, like very early in the travel phase, like, like really got started. So everybody, there was just, there was just such a giant breadth of experience in all these other areas. And it was very humbling to be like, Oh, I, I'm like, in a much larger pond now so like like i am i am i am a small fish uh once again um and from there it just it just kind of kept rolling like that's that was that was probably one of my primary contracts was in the islands going back and forth uh just because of how much i enjoyed the community um i got i got a chance to work out uh in oregon for a bit 
which is a very cool system working on a reservation in that area, uh, another community that was just very, very in need. And like, you actually feel like you're making a difference at that point. Um, outside of that, a lot of the other stuff was just filling in for like staffing crises and whatnot. So like time in California, uh, I'm sorry for anybody that's listening from California, y'all's protocols are, are extremely limiting. Um, like to the point where like they were, they were time, like, if you had an identified anaphylaxis patient, like you could give them Benadryl, uh, but you had to call before you would give IM Epi. Like you had to, have, you had to have orders to, to be able to give Epi. Um, yeah, my 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 med box consisted of uh, almost nothing. I think I had Zofran, Narcan, and Benadryl, and like my ACLS drugs, and that was about it. All right. it it's it, it, it California is rough, but it was it was uh, it was still fun to work but yeah jumped around like i said i did did some time offshore and that was mostly with like covid testing and stuff like that uh after about a month i realized that like living on an oil rig or like drill ship wasn't really for me i i was i was getting very very stir crazy by the end of the month um but yeah the whole experience man it's you just like you learn so much because like working nine one these different areas you you learn that yeah, there's cultural differences and stuff like that. There's protocol differences, um, which is always fun as well, because you'll be introduced to new drugs that like you may have not seen before. And then you're like on your first night on the truck because you just landed eight hours prior and they knew that somebody to work. But you're like furiously doodling what these drugs are um, because like you never carried. Whatever. Uh, I, I can't think of an example of it. Like I always had solumedrol. Uh, we never learned about debts or anything like that growing uh going through paramedic school. And I remember we had the first contract I got to, we had debts instead of solumedrol. I had to look up everything. Um, and also as like a newer medic, I never carried morphine. So like like I knew the dosages, but I had never really used it. Um, so I had to look that up. And, but then with that, you also learn that like sick people are sick people no matter where you go right so no, like no matter where i've worked the calls have always been the same i know you've worked in a couple other areas as well uh throughout your career and that's that that was like my, my biggest takeaway of going different places was that like the calls are all the same uh most of the time the local employees are all driving about the same things no matter where you go um it doesn't really it doesn't really change most people most systems are dealing with the same problems and um I don't know, it was just eye-opening to to get out of my area and uh kind of start seeing EMS as like a just from a wider lens versus what was happening like right near my home. Um definitely cool experience. I would recommend anybody anybody doing it once they had a little bit of experience uh under their belts. I'm glad you said the thing about every agency has like it's good and bad mm -hmm. um and no matter where you're at geographically like you said sick people are still sick people something my first partner ems told me because we worked at that agency together obviously but yes. i always talked about a municipal agency um in the state of louisiana that like i drooled over I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, he told me he's like, bro, no matter where you work, 
it's all McDonald's. It is all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't get a, past that. <laughs> that's a bad, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's the, 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 that's a really good way to put it, actually. I didn't think about that. But yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and ha honestly, having worked both now, um, I've worked, uh, obviously, like, for a private service in, in Louisiana, but I've also, I, like, I work at a municipal service, and I, I work hand-in-hand -hand with people, like, from other adjacent uh, municipal services, and, like, the grass isn't always greener, right? Like, there, there, there are some municipal services, especially, um, like, near where we live, that are, you know, they're, they're progressive and, um, aggressive as well with some things which like seems really cool um but it's the same thing like you're, you're you're getting the same calls you deal with the same stuff um i think it's 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 really and that's that's you know something to talk about as well i guess it's just that like if we if we if we look at like longevity in ems and if you want to stay in this career field right uh, and keep doing it um that's one of my other takeaways from travel is that like the same thing the grass isn't always greener now it, it definitely gives you other opportunities it widens your experience um but if you can be if, if you can be happy where you're at right if you're if you if you if you can truly be happy in, in your spot and there's something to say about like staying somewhere and like helping that system grow versus like jumping to try to find something else i don't know if it's my adhd or whatnot but I've, I've only got a certain amount of bandwidth for like an agency or whatnot and then i'll kick rocks um which is something I'm, i've i've tried to do less of in ems versus like previous careers uh so yeah i mean those those there are definitely some agencies that are worth drooling over out there uh there are some places that like i would love to work in positions that i would love to do uh there's there's just other aspects of that too like are are you willing to relocate like we didn't really talk about all the cons of of travel um but one of the aspects of that is that you you are traveling right you are away from home you're away from like your space and sometimes that may mean like sharing a hotel room with like somebody that you just met uh getting off the plane um because like you and your partner are running 24 7 and like your downtime is in your hotel room right because you're there for a disaster um it may it may mean that like you have to fly somewhere and pick up a truck and drive that truck to a disaster area and you're going to live out that truck for the extent the extent of the time you're there like i know we we have strike force and everything else right but like um during hurricane ida i lived in the parking lot of strawberry hospital in homa um for two two and a half weeks we had you know we had portable showers and stuff we we had all of all of the amenities were, were there for us but still like you gotta find somewhere to sleep and everything else so there's there's definitely like some hard times to it as well um as pros and cons pros and cons to everything so if you can be happy where you're at like there's there's nothing wrong with that either i've never done travel contract EMS style um you know kind of like you brought up I have worked in geographically different agencies mm -hmm. um one thing that I used to like I don't like anymore are the deployments where you sign up for 
whatever like natural disaster or things that are going on um mm-hmm. i signed up for one where there was like our sister agency whatever said it was going on not going into details of where i used to work but um r.i.p so uh we literally what (laughs) that's not their initials no might as well be so um (laughs) we (laughs) we, uh we went to like we went to a different state different city and it was us and like a two other crews and we just helped out with their call volume because it was so extensive but for these big deployments I think it was Hurricane Laura or I don't remember whichever one hit Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. It was my very first deployment and I was very, very green. So I'm pumped. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go do cool things. We're going to rough it up. And they were warning mm-hmm. us like, you're going to be in an ambulance for one, two, maybe three weeks. And then you yeah. might get positioned to somewhere else. And I went in with like that green mentality, super excited. After about day three, I was done. (laughs) I was so done. I just wanted to go home. I wanted an actual shower. I wanted an actual meal. I I got tired of figuring out how to maneuver like from the passenger seat or the driver's seat of the ambulance wearing a c-collar or doing like head blocks taped to the headrest (laughs) i did another one and i'll never do another one that's fantastic um yeah you know um everybody wants to be a gangster uh until it's time to do gangster stuff and that's that's uh Sleeping in the back of an ambulance doesn't really seem as gangster once you uh once you get into it. I um I live for that. I I there's something still in me that like if I if I get a call and they say like, hey, I need like can you be like in this state within like 48 hours or something like that and it's it's just like absolutely like let me like just start throwing stuff in a bag like send me a random plane ticket from somebody i don't know and like i'm i'm out like i'm i'm gonna take like my personal stethoscope and like some clothes and like i'm going and there's there's just something exciting with it um now it seems like the big trend is that we don't have there's not as many short-term contracts anymore you know i i I, my preferences for like one to two months gone um most things now are trending towards like 13 weeks to a year and that's just that's that's way long that's a job it's a job at that point i I don't i don't want to be uh i don't want to be gone for that for that amount of time uh any 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 longer especially as i get older it's fun it's different when you can get off the shift and go home to your bed Maybe so. Maybe it's, and maybe it's like a mindset thing because I know like like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use some some of the like most overused sayings like ever, but I don't I don't have a better one for it at the moment. Um, from like the military's perspective, deployment wise, it was always like the embrace the suck, like this, like right, like this is like this is terrible, but like we're we're it's it's terrible for everybody together. 
and that's that's what makes it like fun up until a point i think after i think like uh like you said i think after you've done uh, done it a few times or whatever you're like mm, i don't i'm not i'm not into this anymore um i like i like the build up towards it um the work part is it, it's just work like we said it's the same it's the same as anything else you know uh sometimes you get to see like more interesting stuff during like hurricane responses and stuff i i saw a lot more like uh so car uh, carbon monoxide poisoning was huge this last time uh people had generators either way too close to their house or in their house or on the porch or whatever and we were just getting call after call after call for carbon monoxide poisoning um which wasn't something i had seen a ton of in my career up until that point uh, so that was cool to actually be able to identify the presentation and stuff. Different experiences, different experiences. Yeah. Glad you brought that one up because during it was the Hurricane Laura uh, deployment that we had. There was the day before there was a call for there was a family of like four or five, the mom, dad, all the kids had to be like. I think the dad drug out his entire family out of the house because everybody started getting real sleepy and they all had the carbon monoxide poisoning. And so that was the first time I'd ever seen it. And like, I obviously like I learned about it at EMT school, but it, it felt like one of those foreign things that we'll never see of like, we're going to phosphate poisoning. <laughs> like right. you may see it once. And so being able to like be there and see how the medics were working understand why it's dangerous and then my partner after explained like you know it'll present as xyz even though you know they have the 100% o2 sat they're still doing trash um right. so the next night we had this guy um he was he was there for like the demolition or reconstruction whatever it was sleeping in his giant what's it called one of those big not tractor things but like the things you see doing word road work on the side of the road okay not a crane i don't know what it is fair enough um i just yeah. know it blocks yeah. traffic some some kind of giant piece of equipment right <laughs> so yeah. like he would sleep in the cab and he called because he was i don't think he was tired he just felt like he couldn't breathe and so we get there and like everything was fine everything was completely fine and he was like yeah i want to go to the hospital i want to get checked out and so we dropped him off and i told my partner like was that was that the thing or it's really convenient that he just wanted to be off work for a day turns out his co2 levels were trash he like he started decompensating i think like that night so yeah. now every time we go to a call i wish i was joking like shortness of breath or altered mental status there's that small part of me that's like oh god this is it again <laughs> i can't miss this <laughs> 
The 22 at the Lips podcast is designed to support, not replace the relationship that exists between a practitioner and his or her medical director. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host, guest, and not necessarily of Mastery Medics. The information provided during this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for your approved protocols.